Last time, we talked about the potential that God has given us in Christ, that we aren't simply sinners saved by grace. But why should I believe that I can overcome the challenges in my life? Why should I believe that I can be a good husband, a good father, even a better man? Why should I believe I'll be anything more than a sinner forgiven again and again? Today on Interman Radio, we will give you reasons to believe. Welcome to Interman Radio, where we achieve more than we thought we could with God's power working in us, regardless of what your pastor said last week. So let's drop the excuses, pick up our Bibles, and prepare to win. Mark, someone is probably asking questions like, why do you jokers on this podcast say I can win? I mean, the rhetoric is great. It's all kind of cliche. I hear people say, as Christians, we can win, blah, 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 blah. You're saying I can actually overcome my bad habits. Yeah. I can put sin out of my life, and I can live like Christ. Yeah. I'm not sure I can. <laughs> I haven't uh-huh. done a good job to present. Right. I don't see the people around me doing a very good job. So why are you blowing sunshine up my nose? Isn't this a bit over the top? Why should I believe you? Well, you shouldn't believe me because uh, I'm just another guy. I'm just, a, I'm just a Joe on the street. But God works with us in the ways that really does change us. And that is, he works with us by our faith. Last week we talked about how God has really set us up in the scriptures as being born of spirit for something bigger than we could do just simply being born of flesh. But today we want to talk about why, what does that look like in Christ? How does, that, how does God communicate that to us? Today we want to spend our time working on reasons for us to believe what is truly a grandiose, enormous vision that God has given us of what Christians are supposed to be like. And I want to start in Judges chapter 6. Judges, Uh uh-oh. Yeah, we're going Old Testament on you. Judges chapter 6 is the story of how God calls a very unlikely hero named Gideon. In uh, verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, as his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites. To make a long story shorter, the angel of the Lord says to Gideon, he says, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. That's his greeting to Gideon. So Gideon must have had a sword in his hands already. <laughs> he was ready to go fight. He, he was you, a valiant warrior, You know right? this story. Right, right. <clears throat> Gideon is hiding in the wine press, beating out a little bit of wheat because the Midianites, their neighbors, were oppressing them at the time. And he is, uh, he's, he's holed up. He's, uh, he's not exactly the Rambo type that, that, we're, that, <laughs> that we would normally identify with, with Gideon. When God meets Gideon, He's just this little guy down hiding in the wine press. And he all but says that. He says, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord looked at him and he said, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? And Gideon asked the question that everybody is asking right now. He says, oh, Lord, how shall I do what you've given us to do? He says, how shall I deliver Israel? God has just said, hey, Gideon, you, by the way, I'm choosing you to go and whoop the Midianites. And Gideon says, you got the wrong guy. I I don't know if you, 
I don't know if you've noticed, Lord, but uh, listen, I, I need to tell you that I am like the youngest in my father's house and is the smallest family in the smallest tribe of all of Israel, and we're oppressed by the Midianites to boot. He said, if there's one guy who is the most unlikely champion of Israel, this is the guy. Wow, sounds like we've got something in common with Gideon. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Really? This is the guy. This is the guy who sees himself as the smallest of the smallest of the small. And yet, God sees Gideon very, very differently. And what we want to do today is we want to look at how does God see us. Because Gideon was right. Gideon was the smallest of the small. But God was right too. Because Gideon saw what he had been up to that point, God saw what he could make of Gideon. And, the, and you know, guys, you're listening out there, and sometimes we feel like we're Gideons down in the wine press just trying to eke out whatever we can, yep. little victories here or there. And we think, oh, you know, well, it would be great if the Lord would do some big things in my life, but, you know, frankly, <coughs> that's that's a long shot, and that's probably reserved for the guys who are who are who are more important and who've got all of it together, not us. And God doesn't look at us that way. God looks at us and he sees what he can do with us. And guys, that is huge. That is huge. Oh, yeah. So so God doesn't tell him, you're going to be a valiant warrior. He says, hello, valiant warrior. Yeah. He says, put it on, boy, because this is what you are. Let's take a look at that. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 3. And we'll do a little bit, we'll, we'll go New Testament now. Galatians chapter 3, in verse 26 and 27, God lays out a pretty simple statement. Now, that's not to say it isn't profound. He says, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were immersed into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. That's a big statement. That's bigger than what God said to Gideon. Why? Why is that bigger? Because Gideon is going to go and fight the Midianites. God did not need Jesus Christ to come to earth to fight the Midianites. He could do that with Gideon. Right. God needs Jesus to come to earth to show us what a son of God looks like. That's the that's what that's what he calls us. He doesn't call us great champions. He doesn't call us, you know, valiant warriors in the Gideon sense. He says, "You are all sons of God." The picture of what that looks like is Jesus in flesh. Which is bigger? Jesus. Well, way absolutely. Bigger. So, and as sons of God, that makes us warriors because God is in battle against Satan, against the forces of the world. And that puts us right in line with him to be that kind of valiant warrior that Jesus was, right? It sure does. Let's look at 1 John chapter 5, because <clears throat> this will touch on, the, on that confrontational aspect that God really has called us to. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. John says, whatever is born of God. Now, that would be a son of God, right? Yep. Okay, born so son. whatever is born of God overcomes the world. That's con- that's conflict. That's a mighty warrior. That's something that Gideon could not do. So whatever is born of God, that's us, overcomes the world. And then he adds, this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. faith. And that's where our power is at, is in our faith. But as long as we see ourselves the way Gideon did at the beginning, beating out the wine, you know, the, uh, the wheat in the wine press, we're never going to take on any of our personal Midianites. 
let alone some of the bigger challenges that confront us. We're going to stay right where we are, just making out, you know, doing what we can with what we got. Right, eking out a little victory here and there. And, well, you know, I... I um I, I, I didn't do this bad thing today, so... It, oh, it, good yeah. on you. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. I, I, I got five minutes of prayer time in. Woo! Yay! But not to say that that's not a start. <laughs> it's a start. It's a st- if, if we're not doing those that's things... That's a small victory. That is a small victory, but we're not limited Let's look to, bigger. Yeah. Yeah, let's look bigger. Let's, let's look bigger. Changing ourselves, changing the people around <clears> us, really overcoming the world. That's the picture that we need to have. And here's the reason why it's important, guys, because not only has God said it, which makes it true, but applying it to our lives, the people around us are looking at us to, to see if this faith thing is real and to see if what God said actually works. Yep. So, so it's incumbent upon us to, to, to do some winning. We, we can't do it if we don't see ourselves winning. Right, and if you think that's unbelievable, check out 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 9 says this, No one who is born of God practices sin. Uh-oh. Oh, you're, you're, uh-oh, is right, man. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, that's, that's, that's really unbelievable. No one who is born of God practices sin. He goes on to add, because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin. Why? Because he is born of God. People look at that and I say, wait, yeah, a right. Wait a Hold on. Minute. Okay. And they come up with all kinds of really clever gymnastics to try and make the verse say what it doesn't say. Okay, what do we what do we try to make it say? Well, how about this one? They say, Well, uh, this is how God sees me, but that's not how I really am. So God sees me as not practicing sin and not sinning, but that's not how I really am. Right. So God must be delusional. delusional. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And so, so they'll try and explain it that way. Or sometimes they'll try and play with the wording and say, well, well, what he really said is he can not sin. Not he cannot sin, but he can, can not sin. sin. So it's possible for him to make it through a day or a minute without sinning. Maybe, maybe, because he's born of God. But that's not what the verse said. This verse said, no one who is born of God practices. Oh, well, practice just means that he does it all the time. And so no one who's born of God is going to do it all the time. Listen, he said, no one who's born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him. Does his seed abides in him all the time or just occasionally? Yeah, all the time. All the time. Okay, and so, therefore, he cannot sin. Wait a minute, you made that last part up, that he I, cannot sin. I read part. that right here, and where, he where? cannot sin, verse oh, 9, because is. he is born of God. When's he born of God? All the time. When can he not sin? All the time. They're going, wait a minute, well, yeah. I'm born of God, and I'm pretty sure I can sin. <laughs> yeah. So what gives? What gives is this. God is communicating to us just like he communicated to Gideon. He's saying, guys, this is what I can do with you. And he's communicating that to us in the present, just like he did with Gideon. He didn't say, Gideon, if you do this, this, and this, you will be a valiant warrior. Now, God does have some, some things in store for Gideon. They're going to teach him, and they're going to train him and prepare him for doing what God said he would do. But Gideon's not going to take those on until he believes that God really can do what he said, and that Gideon really is what God said he is. In the same way, guys, we are not going to attempt to be sons of God, really, 
Oh no, that's there's some guys who are going to give some lip service to it, and they're going to do that. But we're not really going to be totally invested until we believe that God said about us, "We are sons of God, we are born of God, and therefore we cannot sin because His seed abides in us." That's the picture that God has for you. Like it or not, that's it. You're gonna have you're gonna have to step up to the plate, fellas. So what if I believe that, but I'm not seeing that in my life? And, and what if, Mark, uh, uh, a person does sin even after embracing this? Yeah. W- what is that? Are they not a Christian now because, because they sin, so therefore they obviously must not be sons because right, he right, said right. that you can't sin if you are. Cause, so maybe his seed doesn't abide me anymore. Maybe I've lost my salvation because I just said a word I shouldn't say. Right. And that's, that's a dangerous road to go down because it makes people, it fills them with self-doubt and it, it really denies the role of grace in our lives, which is to cover us in the process of putting on that character. Gideon didn't turn this thing around in one afternoon. It took, it took some time for him to really internalize what God had said about him and play that out in character and in action. God understands it's going to take us some time to put on that character. The best way I can describe this is how we taught our kids to ride a bike. Okay. All my kids, we taught them how to ride a bike. They got out there. I made my kids the same deal. I said, listen, I will put the training wheels on on the bike. We had one little bike, you know, that all the kids, we just handed down to the next one and the wow. next one. Okay. That, that bike lasted forever, man. But I made the kids a deal. If you want to learn to ride the bike, I'll put the training wheels on there for you, but only once. And then when you tell me to take them off, I'm going to take them off, but I'm not putting them back on. When those training wheels came off, they were all pretty confident. You know, they're thinking, yeah, I got this. Okay. When we go out there, doing it is a little bit more challenging. And so, like every other kid who ever tried to ride a bike, it was sketchy at first. Mm -hmm. What do I tell the kids as a dad? Do I say, hey, listen, kids. Now... This is your first time riding a bike without the wheels. It's going to be painful. Yep. You're probably going to fall down. Yep. Everybody does. And so but you're just going to fall together. That's right. We're all in this well, together. Nurse our broken hallelujahs. Yeah. <clears throat> but he's, no dad tells his kid that in his right mind. We, we, we go out and we tell the kids, listen, you can ride this bike. That is a total statement of faith. It's an assurance of something that is hoped for, and it's a conviction exactly yeah. of something that hasn't been demonstrated yet. And so the kid gets on the bike filled with all of this confidence because of what Dad said. You know, because kids, especially at you know four and five years old, are foolish enough to believe their fathers yeah. actually believe them. That changes, but <laughs> yes, yeah. And so he gets out there and he thinks, you know what? I can ride this bike. Yeah. But if he doesn't think that, he's not going to attempt to ride the bike. If he's been convinced by his buddies down the street or by you know his older siblings or whatever that you can't ride the bike, mm-hmm. you've have you ever ridden a bike before? No. You know that one time you did try, you crashed hard. And if he listens to that, he's not going to get there. We just have to learn that God communicates to us from the perspective of potential rather than where the perspective of our past. Let's add 1 John chapter 5 and verse 18. He says, We know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who was born of God, Jesus, keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. Hmm. Same thing. 
God is communicating over and over to us when somebody is born of God or born of spirit the way we talked about last week, they don't sin. That's their potential. That's that's what it looks like to ride the bike. It looks just like what Jesus does. And when we see that by faith, when, when we believe that, that's when we start to see it in our character. That's when we start to see it in our practice is because we believed that we could do it. So the question we have to ask ourselves is who's right? Yeah, is God right or is my past experience right? Is what I've always believed right? Exactly. So putting this to, uh, to, to practical use, <clears throat> it all sounds good. It all sounds uh, ethereal. When I wake up in the morning, let's say that I've got a, 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 a habit of treating my wife poorly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, in the morning, when, when I when I get up, okay, <laughs> that before or after breakfast, <clears throat> that'd be before. So, with whatever habit that we have, a sin that it, we want to overcome, this is the way we should look at it and say, Christ in me, His seed in me, makes me His son. As His son, with His seed in me, I can overcome this sin through His power. In fact. Christ is already overcome. Bingo, right. I am an overcomer. Yes. I am overcoming this sin. This sin is history. It's gone. And that's before we actually put that into practice. It it has to be. Until we believe that we have the potential to do that, we will not act that way. Right. We'll We'll find reasons why we didn't succeed or we'll find something. But until we believe it, it's not gonna happen. So that's why the scriptures begin there. Really buttressing our faith, describing to us what God can do with us, showing us what our potential is in Christ, and then it says, now let's go out and let's ride the bike. So guys, what challenges are you facing in your life? What, what, m- m- let's make a mental list. What things would I like to overcome? What things have I always s- gave lip service to? Boy, I sure wish I could, and fill in the blank, but something that we didn't give it a wholehearted effort because... The truth be told, we really didn't think we could. What are those things? Well, let, let's let's tackle them. But that gets into the whole idea of performance. So how are we going to get there? It's going to take two things. It's going to take potential, and it's going to take performance. Now, God works on the potential side, and he creates us new in Christ. So we have potential, for instance, like we talked about last week, that John didn't have. Okay? But now we've got to add some practice before we can really reap some performance. If, uh, you know, I, I stand a, a towering five foot nine, mm-hmm. and I'm about a buck and a half wet? soaking wet. Yeah, That's okay. exactly right. <laughs> so my, uh, my NBA career is, uh, is I'd say, limited. We call him Spud. <laughs> I can't jump, though, either. Oh. <clears throat> it, let's say I've got some great potential, right? I mean, we all know guys who have great potential. Either they had great business sense, or they were super creative, or they were, you know, they had had, uh, some natural leadership ability, they were charismatic, but they never would put in the time to practice. So they have great potential, but they wouldn't practice, and so they got lackluster performance. Yeah. Right? And the result was they had a lot of wasted potential, right? We all know some other guys, too, who maybe don't have the potential. But, man, they're making it happen. Oh, they, yeah. <laughs> but they might be disciplined, right? If I go out and I really, really practiced, but I don't have the potential to be a great ball player, I don't have the potential 
to be a, a LeBron James. I don't have a potential to be a great ball player. I can practice a lot. All I'm going to have is wasted practice. I see. Without real, without any real performance, I'm just going to have lackluster performance because I put in the practice time, but I don't have the potential. Christianity is where those two things come together, guys, where, number one, God gives us the potential of being new creatures, and then he expects us, with that understanding, to put in the practice and develop the performance over time. Oh, oh, Mark, Mark, you know all this talk of winning and overcoming yeah, and yeah. all that kind of putting into uh-huh. practice? Right. You, know what that, you know what that reminds me of? Christian, Christian Radio. KCRE 94.3. Oh, that sounds good. I've heard this before. Hey, it's a pick. Wait a minute. I can't. I'm not able. I'm when failing. you choose a great tasting Miller Lite. Oh, that, that was personal. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, my hallelujah's even broken. <laughs> We're broken. We're all in it together. That's Man, this so is so sad. sad. So sad. Yeah, I'm not going to take it. Not anymore. <laughs> got to change the mind. Yes, we're going to listen to something that's more positive. Something that puts us on the right track and encourages us to win. You think we can find something like that? Scan the dial. Give it a shot. Hey, there's one. I like this. Whoa. Bring your tide and bring your shame. Hang in there, it gets better. Bring your guilt and bring your pain. Don't you know that's not your name? You will always be much more to me. Every day I wrestle with the voices that keep telling me I'm not right, but that's alright, cause I hear a voice and it calls me every day, when others say I'll never be enough, and greater is the one living inside of me, than he who is living in the world, in the world. Mark, that's such a great song. I love that song. Mercy Me, that's greater. Go check it out on uh, iTunes or wherever you get your music from. But uh, I like the message of that. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And then all the doubts and, and things that we have that creep into our heart, that is a reassurance that we have. He is greater than he was in the world. Yeah, I really thought the video was awesome. I just really enjoy watching a guy stand in the middle of a field with a smoke grenade. Yeah, that was good. It just it, made me want to, I don't know, it's filled me with joy. It, and it, I don't get the video, but... <laughs> How about beating but the But the song is awesome. I love the song, and it, it's just catchy. But, it, you know, it, it communicates that message that greater is the one who's inside of me than he is in the world. Even if I didn't see the purpose of the tambourine, but, you know, it's, it's good. You know, I like you're it. just not an artist. <laughs> that is so true, yeah. man. That is so true. Greater is the one who's inside of me. And God sees that before I see it. Just like we see in our kids the potential that they have before they see it. 
We have to see that potential for them. And it's no different for us when we start growing up in Christianity. Is we have, or God rather, sees in us, his kids, he sees what he can do with us and what we can become through him, even though we can't see it. What we can do is put our faith in God that he sees it and that's enough. And then move that direction. If God believes it, if if that's what's if that's how he sees us, then that's really how it is. Let's uh, let's look at a few of those. Let's look at us through God's eyes in Romans chapter one. Here's a here's a we'll just do kind of a quick bullet list here of the way that God sees us in Romans chapter one and uh, verse seven. <clears throat> Paul says to all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father. And the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're saints. We're saints. And nobody voted on it. That's right. <laughs> That's right. There was no uh, no canonization required. In Titus chapter 2, he calls us another word that, that we, we might be reluctant to believe if God didn't say it. In Titus chapter 2 verse 14, he says, He gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. He called us pure. He said he's going to purify us for himself. Now, no fool would try and and tell God that I'm not pure. Nope. Who made us pure? God did. Nope. And yes, and the thing is, is that he did that to uh, make us zealous for good deeds, for overcoming sin. Right on, exactly. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14 says, By one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. That's a double whammy. He called you, that's right, they called you perfect. Perfect, the P word. And he called Ah. you sanctified, not because you're so all fired fantastic, but he did it. He has perfected and he has sanctified us. Are you going to tell God, Lord, I don't think I can be perfect. He said, you already are. Lord, I don't think I can be sanctified. You already are. God called you that. Wait, so, but the, it, but there's a difference between God saying you're perfect because my grace <clears throat> covers your sins. There's a difference between that and saying you are perfect. It's imputed righteousness, and now you can act that way, right? Grace does cover our sins. So when we stand before God right now, what's not perfect about you? Is, 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 there some, is there some sin that God has yet to forgive? No. He's the propitiation of our sins. Right. One sacrifice for all time. Right. So where's, the, where's the, the spot or the blemish on us if we're in Christ? Doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Now, <clears throat> perfection in character, just like with a, you know, again, to use the child analogy, let's say we have a little kid, right? My my youngest is is six, and so Owen is a great boy, <clears throat> and he is perfect for six years old. Okay, he's not mature, but there's nothing wrong with him at six years old. So is he perfect? Well, there's nothing. There's not a thing wrong with him. He's just exactly where he should be. Is God finished with him yet? And neither am I, <clears throat> right? <clears throat> but we see him for his potential of putting on the character of Christ. God calls you that, and He calls you that. Right now, in First Peter chapter one, verse fourteen, <clears throat> he says, "As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it's written, you shall be holy, for I am holy." Holy, he called you holy. Yeah. And in Second Corinthians, chapter five and verse twenty-one, he says, 
He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's because of what Jesus did. He says, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become. For somebody to say, I'm not righteous, is really to reject the sacrifice of Christ. For somebody to say, I'm not pure, is to say that God did not purify me. For someone to say, I'm not perfect, I'm not sanctified, I'm not a saint, is to say that God has not done what he said he's done in the scriptures. It'd be like Gideon telling the Lord at the there in Ophir saying, Lord, that's ridiculous, and, and, and you're, you're out to lunch. All right, folks, so here we're going to drop the million-dollar question on Mark. You ready? Done. All right. Done. Mark, this is Bubba talking here. Now, <clears throat> Mark, are you telling me that you're perfect? I'm telling you that God made me perfect. He has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Give me a yes or a no. Yes. He said it. A lot of people are going are gonna to put different definitions to that. They're going to say, well, you can't be perfect because you're saying you've never sinned. I didn't say that. Nope. I've sinned plenty. Plenty more than I should have. <clears throat> but that's not what perfect means. God said, I'm perfect. He didn't say Mark never sinned. He said, I've forgiven all the sins that Mark ever sinned, and I made him perfect. And if you don't like it, tough. And because of that, because of, and thanks for playing along with that, by the sure. way. Sure. Where is that. Bubba from? <clears throat> Be, what's that? Where is Bubba from? Oh, uh, I'm not going to get myself into that kind of trouble. <laughs> He's a figment of the imagination. We use Bubba when we have to. Okay. But, you know, a guy can come out and, and, and try to trap someone. And, and I've seen this being done. Are you saying you're perfect? As if, as if to say what God has said is somehow condemning. Yeah. But God said it. Now... Now, we take who we are perfect, and now it's time to put it into practice. Right. Gideon was a warrior before he started acting like one. That's right. Uh, Our kids can ride the bike before they actually start doing it. So now we believe that. We adopt that into our mindset. Now what? Two things. Number one, before before we leave this topic, guys at home... This is going to sound crazy, but listen, you've got to do some work to get this between your ears. And more than listening to to us, you've got to say, I am pure, and I am holy, and I am righteous, and I am sanctified, and yes, by God's grace, I am perfect. That's the way God sees me. He sees me as someone who cannot sin. I'm bored of God. I cannot sin. And that's not just going to come through osmosis, you're going to have to do some work to start thinking that way and start seeing yourself that way. Now let's talk about where to go from here. What we need to do next is we need to start renewing the mind step by step. How do we put that faith into practice? I was reading a book not too long ago about uh, Coach Wooden from UCLA and uh, the stuff that he would make his players do every practice was, was lined out. He knew exactly what they were going to do And he had a great line. He said, don't confuse activity for achievement. Hmm. Guys, what we want to do is we want to be realistic about stuff. We're going to look at things straight up. We're going to be honest about where we fail. We're going to be honest about our potential in Christ. And we're going to be honest about what we need to do to move from one to the other. And we're going to make our activities count. And that's what we'll cover in the next segment. 
And that's going to do it for this episode of Interman Radio. But let's go ahead and go to God in prayer as we strive to, uh, to win and overcome. Father God, thank you for this opportunity to talk about your scriptures and to reaffirm the things you've said to us. We pray that uh, the things that Mark and I have talked about, that they be true, that they be encouraging to the listener, and we pray your blessing on those that are listening, Lord, that uh, uh, they might have success this week, that we would have success as, as we strive to become the people that you want us to be in practice the way you said we are. So, Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity, and, uh, and thank you for, for your people and your promises. It's in Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's go!